Michelle Peterson's son was being relentlessly pursued for sex by one of his high school coaches. Yes, his high school coaches. He hated it and he wanted it to stop, but he was young and he was too embarrassed to tell an adult what was happening. How Michelle discovered this coach's grooming of her son and what this mama bear did next on today's program. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, special guests tackle the issues facing the moms of America today. Discussions include personal stories and advice on how moms can build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their homes and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Carlitis, your host, and thank you once again for joining us on today's podcast. Uh, right here at the top of the show, I always want to say super, super welcome. We're so glad to have you. But I also want to ask you to like and to subscribe to our podcast. And then when you're liking and subscribing, would you also share our podcast with your mama friends in your circle there? Um, we are just here to provide information and inspire moms. So please share the podcasts. I know a lot of people uh, really appreciate the information that we're providing every week. Also here at the top of the show, I do want to invite all of our moms that are listening to join the movement here at Moms for America. We are moms uniting all across the country to fight for faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. So we invite you to join the movement. Uh, you can check us out at momsforamerica.us. Find out all of our information there, the who, what, where, and whys of Moms for America. So please stop by there. Also, if you have an idea or a topic for the podcast, would you please email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net? I would love to hear your suggestions uh, and get your input. All righty. All righty, on to today's program. Well, moms, we know that there are sexual predators out there in the world, unfortunately, but we may mistakenly believe that once our kids, especially our boys, are past the adolescent stage, that they're mostly safe from the worst sexual predators. Well, today's program will shatter that illusion. Experts explain that sexual predators often work in careers that give them legitimate access to children and to young people. That's what happened to the son of our guest today. Michelle Peterson is one of those tough, tough mama bears, and she went after her son's groomer with everything she had. Michelle, welcome to the Moms for America podcast. We are so glad to have you. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, this is going to be great for our moms to hear and understand what you did in your community and in your home, basically. Right. Thank you. And thanks for having me. All righty. So tell us a little bit about your family over there. Um, I heard that you're a grandma, but I don't want to get, I don't want to steal your thunder. Tell me a little bit about your family. Um, so I have a um, stepdaughter who is 35, I think, and then she <laughs> has a son who is 12, um, and he's our only grandson. And then I have a son, Andrew, who is going to be 29 next month. Wow, he's going to be 29 now. Well, this this whole story uh, is relating uh, around him and what happened to him. Yes. Um, it's a tough story, but boy, you as a mama, you want to talk about bam, getting right in there and stopping, uh, and, and, uh, exposing. So, um, tell me a little bit about, uh, Andrew, what kind of child was he, this happened to him in high school. How was he in high school? High school's a tough age anyways. Yeah. High school. Um, 
he he's always been a very kind, soft-hearted kid. Um, would do anything for anybody. Um, he he just has a great personality, good smile. He's I was a single mom for a long time, and um, so he was used to being around adults, carried on adult conversations all the time. People would always tell me, even when he was you know nine, ten, eleven years old, like they couldn't believe how he could speak to adults at such a high level and um, making eye contact with them and, you know, just wanted to be around adults really more than um, kids tended to relate to them a little bit better. Um, so he, he's just a really nice kid. Um, he, he went into the Marine Corps and I told him when he left, I said, don't let them ruin your heart. I said, I worked really hard on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's wow. just a good kid. Good so. for him. And thank you. And please tell him, thank you for his service. And yep. Um, you know, protecting you. us here and serving his country. So uh, in 2010, so, uh, some things started happening uh, to Andrew. Um, I would say probably it's it, it's uh, every mom's nightmare that an adult would start approaching a child uh, in a sexual situation. So what happened? Uh, how did this start? Let's, let's talk about what was happening. And then I want to find out like, how did you figure this out and how did this roll out? So what, sure. what started here and, and who was this uh, awful person, this groomer? So the, this was a teacher um, and he taught shop or metal classes at the high school. And he also coached baseball at the freshman level. Andrew was a sophomore at the time when this happened. And so um, he had reached out to him in May of that year during the baseball season. He was having some difficulty with a kid bullying him on the baseball team reached out to the coach that, Hey, you know, what do you suggest? Can you help me with the situation? And, um, the teacher kept continuing to text him. And at the same time, I was actually, I'm a physical therapist, but I was actually coaching softball at the same high school. So not only was he a teacher, but he was a colleague as he was coaching at the same high school I was. And, um, yeah. yeah. And so I think he thought that I was too busy to pay attention to what was going on with my son. Mm. And while this was all going on, I mean, I, I take my son's phone all the time. I would, I always told him, I said, it's my phone. It's not yours until you pay the bill. So, um, I would take it. I would look through it all the time, look through different text messages, the websites he was going to things like that. And between May and October, I never saw one text message between them. And there were over 6,000 messages. Okay. Hold on. Over 6,000 messages from a teacher, an instructor, a coach to your yeah. son, uh, asking him, um, flirting so, with him. What what was he, right. what in the world was this guy doing to so your it son? It started off obviously pretty benign, right? They just, he was talking to him about the bullying incident and then it would go from one thing to another. And then he talked about like, what was he doing? Asking what he was doing and then it would go into um, different things about sex. Now, this guy was 35 or 34 at the time, and my son was 15 um, in May, turned 16 in June. And I didn't find out about this until October. And um, the one thing that, I mean, the, the thing that really got him in this was that he offered him money for oral sex. So he offered him 500, then 1,000, then $1,500. And Andrew kept telling him no kept telling him that he wasn't gay. He said he didn't want to do that. Um, that wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to do that. There'd be messages coming in for hours and Andrew wouldn't respond back. And then he'd respond world. back because he got tired of him, you know, texting where he 
would threaten that he would, you know, come over that type of thing. So Andrew would finally respond back to him. I mean, this is horrific. I mean, now I'm, I can't imagine what it was like for you to find all this out. So Andrew, if I'm understanding this correctly, he would um, probably out of embarrassment or shame or not wanting to talk about it or trying to get this, you know, out of, off of his phone and kind of, you know, disregarded. He was just, he was deleting everything. Yep, so when later in, later in all this, you were able to retrieve, uh, we'll hear about that. You were able to retrieve all these messages and find out exactly what happened. So this, this, this coach is, is, uh, and this is what they do, right? These groomers, they start with a friendship, you yeah. know, how can I help you with the bullying? And then they just go in some sick world right. of just trying to, uh, and I think that's take advantage. Important message too, is they don't just groom the child. They groom the entire community, you know? So he groomed the school. He groomed me, you know, um, what do you mean I, by that? What do you mean by that? So I was a physical therapist or I am a physical therapist and I did home health at the time. And I was in his home treating a family member at the time when all of this started. Okay. So, you know, when you mm. have friends or colleagues or somebody, you're, you're always going to go above and beyond. Like I always go above and beyond for my patients, but when it's somebody that you right. know, you go that extra mile, you know what I mean? And you do whatever you can to make it, you know, the best experience for them ever. And that's, that's what happened, you know, and I, I, trusted him. I thought that he was this good guy. And, um, mm -hmm. even when I went in to talk to the principal the first time after all of this, after I felt something was wrong, he had given him a teacher's award just a couple of weeks before he was just dumbfounded, you know, and just totally taken aback that this could even be a possibility. Yeah. And yeah. So they, they do, they groom the entire school. So they get them right. to, they get to them. be trusting. They get yep. them to be friends. They establish yep. a relationship and then they come in for the kill on this. Right. So did yeah. you notice any, any personality changes with Andrew when this was happening? Um, because moms, moms know, mm -hmm. right? Moms yeah. know. So yep. what was happening? What was, what was the home life like during this? Cause that is, that is yeah. horrible to be having such, I mean, that's just sick. I mean, what else are we going to say? Right. So, um, Andrew never, I mean, he didn't mind going to school. So the, the worst thing about Andrew was getting him up in the morning um, he'd stay up late at night reading a lot. And so even in second grade, I'm like, why can't I get this kid up? And I went to go put some clothes away at midnight one night and he's reading a book at, you know, eight years old. And I'm like, can I have the book? You know? <laughs> so it was that type of thing, but he never didn't like going to school. He, he didn't mind going to school, but when this all started, he was really a bear getting up in the morning, didn't want to go to school. Um, he'd tell me that he wasn't feeling well. And then he started going to the nurse's office. Never has he ever done that. Um, was getting heart palpitations, you know, so the nurse the stress. Me, yeah. And the nurse would call me. She's like, he says that he's, his heart's racing and she you would take his heart, you know, his um, pulse and it would be like 120 resting. And so I'm like, he's fine. I'm like, send him back to class. He'll be fine. And then about the third or fourth time that this happened in about two weeks, she had him lay down for a half hour and she took it again. It was still up in the one twenties after laying there for a half hour. So she got a hold of me and she said, I think there might be something wrong. And so, I mean, we went through the whole pediatric cardiologist thing and um, they just thought that he needed to drink more water, which that seemed to help take care of some of it. But I mean, clearly it was just from the stress of everything right. that was what was going on. So, yeah. and again, this went from May to October before you found out about it. Did you find out about it in October? 
I did. So okay. And how did you, how did you find out about this? I guess that's the million dollar question because Andrew was not telling you. And and why do you think he didn't tell you? I guess I'd like to start with that. And then I'd like to find out with, how did you find out? Was he just embarrassed? Um, embarrassed, embarrassed. Yeah. He wanted it to go away. Yeah. Um, I think he felt foolish because he was very smart. So I think he felt like a fool that he had fallen for this, you know, and just wanted it to go away. And, yeah, uh, and I would think kind of almost violated in a way. Yeah. Right. But you it, know, I mean, this is somebody in a position of authority, Yeah. you know, somebody that he initially respected and probably never in a million years thought that this would ever happen, you know, yeah. um, a little background though on the teacher. And if you've ever watched criminal minds, he's like the, that perfect person, right. His parents died when he was young and he was being raised by his grandparents. And it was just those types of things. He was coaching a sport that he never played. Um, and he was teaching in a classroom, mostly full of boys, you know, so it was all of these things together. Like once mm. you figured it out, it was like an aha, like, oh, you know, um, and it's just that gut feeling. So my husband and I, now my husband, uh, we've been married for 17 years. So it's his stepdad. And we were coming home from a funeral late on a Sunday night in October. And I went in to check on Andrew and just to tell him good night. And it was about 10 30 at night and he acted like he was sleeping. And then I walked past the room again and I could hear him talking on the phone. And I heard him say, you know, I don't know how often you want me to call you. You know, that I'm busy. And, you know, I'm taking a class. He was taking a class at the local community college as well. And he was working and it sounded like he was really annoyed with a girlfriend. Right. And then I heard him say, well, I'll just meet you in your classroom tomorrow and I'll pick up those paintballs. And I'm like, what? So my heart, like just sunk because I knew immediately. So I knocked on the door and I said, Hey, uh, what did you know? Immediately. You knew something. I knew you, something was off, but yeah. he was talking to a teacher, right? Yeah. He said, I'll, I'll meet you in your classroom to pick up those paintballs. And then the conversation prior to that statement just led me to believe that that's what was going on. And then mm. I don't know, it was like a split second thinking about, you know, all of that with his heart issues and the anxiety and not wanting to go to school and it all like kind of just culminated yeah. came to to a head and it was almost isn't that like true isn't that true like with the moms it's just we get these instincts and I know you want to say this and I want to say this moms when you get those instincts that that mama sense holy yeah. spirit whatever that is you just right. have got to go and I've had that happen with my kids so many times literally my husband will be I'm not sure how your husband is he'll be like how would you even think that? Or why would you even put two and two together like that? People say that, do. why did you even, how did you even come to that conclusion? But it was just the stuff that was happening prior to, and then the context of the conversation. And then when you hear I'm meeting your classroom, I was like, what is going on? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then I know you, you approach him in the bedroom and you say, Mm -hmm. yeah, who are you talking to? And he said, um, you know, coach, Belegno. I'm like, why is he calling you at 10 30 at night on a Sunday in October? I'm like, he's a baseball coach. Right. Ah. And so then he says, well, he was on his way home from a Bears game. He was getting tired. And so he gave me a call. I'm like, that's completely inappropriate. You need to hang up the phone. Right. So he hung up the phone. I went straight down to the computer and I pulled up the, our cell bill. And then I looked back at the two phone numbers and just thousands of messages starting in May. Yeah. So I knew right then. And so I printed off, I started printing off the messages. I 
got a few weeks worth and it was literally about a quarter inch deep of paper. So I stopped at just a few weeks and um, went in the next morning to meet with the principal. Um, Andrew, of course, that night, he said, you know, he, he said he'd, he'd like to talk to you in the morning, the, the coach, he, he'll talk to you in the morning, he'll explain everything. I'm like, I'm sure he would love to talk to me, but we aren't having that conversation. Right. And so that night, because I had a feeling um, that something was awry, I, I didn't sleep hardly at all that night because I was afraid that, you know, Andrew would do something to himself. I mean, right. you never know. I mean, he's never had any mental health issues. He's always, like I said, a very happy, go lucky kid, good heart, but it's just a, every parent, parents oh. were scared that that would happen. So I was up all night kind of keeping an eye on him, making sure that he was okay. Right. Well, mm -hmm. you know, and you didn't know the whole backstory. I mean, you no. were just piecing it all together right now. So you're, you're terrified for your son. Right. Uh, you want to, oh, your hat is all heck. Right. And you're just like, what is going on? And not only just in case anybody's just joining in with this, this, this uh, podcast, it's, you know, this teacher, this coach is approaching your son for sexual acts. Was it naked pictures too? Was he asking him for just anything you can he imagine? He asked him for some, never sent any. Yeah. Um, neither of them sent any. And um, he wanted but he to make surely was trying to get him to, I mean, he yeah. was... He yeah. was bullying this kid into a sexual relationship. And again, how horrible and how horrific. So now, now you, does Andrew explain things to you to, to what degree? Oh, no. no. <laughs> oh no. He still denied that there was any wrongdoing because he deleted all the messages. Right. So he's thinking there's no proof of anything. And I think at this point he thought now that I know it's just going to stop and, and the teacher will stop and everything will just go back to the way it was. And, um, Aww. yeah, Andrew should know me better than that. But, um, <laughs> and I'm sure he was just like, just let it go away. You know, yeah. it's going to stop now, like you're saying, but we know that no, nah, that ain't going to happen. Right. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I went the next morning and I met with the principal and mm -hmm. told him what I overheard, told him what was going on. I shared with him the pile of text messages and I could tell by the look on his face, but he of course can't say anything. Right. And almost one of the first things he says, I just gave him a teacher's award, you know? So like he knew. Devastated. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you what though, that's the one thing that you hear all the time, right? That the schools don't back these parents, this school, that superintendent, the principal. Yeah. What was that like? 100%. They were, they and the detective we had were the, my two best entities in, in this whole thing. You know, they, they really had our backs with the whole, with the entire investigation. Um, okay, good. My fight was at the state's attorney's office. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so the school, you know, helps you, you know, right. the investigation starts, but the state's attorney, what is it? Do they stall it? Do they dismiss it? What, what are they trying to say to you? Well, as so, a mama who's ticked off wanting to bring this person to court. Right. right. So this is October of 2010. And, um, at this point, the principal meets with both Andrew and the teacher separately, and they're both denying any wrongdoing. And so they, the police don't think they can get the messages off the phone. So I start doing some digging and I find, um, an investigator in Joliet, Illinois, who, um, 
this is what he did. He would take deleted messages off the phone because it's a computer essentially. So the messages are there until they're filled in with something else. So the longer you wait, the more chance that you're going to lose some of those messages. Okay. But I got a hold of this guy and then I got a hold of our detective. And this was probably six weeks or so into all of this going on. And I waited until Sunday night and, um, well, let me back up. I, I talked to our detective and told him about this other guy that I found. And he said, oh my gosh, he said he came and did an in-service for us last year. I completely forgot about him. And what I had to do was turn the phone over to our detective and he could take it in as evidence to Will County and have him look at it. So Sunday night, um, I don't know when, but it was a Sunday night. I let Andrew have his phone for the weekend, but I told him, I said, I need your phone. I said, I found somebody who can take those messages off the phone. I have to give your phone to the detective tomorrow. And his face just went green. And uh, I'm like, is there something you need to tell me? He goes, I'm not telling you. I can't tell you. He's like, I'll talk to Eric, who was our detective. He's like, I'll talk to Eric and I'll talk to Mr. Hussey tomorrow, the principal. So um, he just when, didn't want to get into this with you, did he? No, no, no. And that's the thing is, like I said, we were very, very close. Like I would have thought that he would have told me anything, you know, mm -hmm. and he knew that I would always have his back and that I'd always protect him. And right. so, yeah, I think that was the the thing that hurt the most is that he felt like he couldn't tell me, but I think he thought that it was just going to hurt me so bad after, you know, it's so embarrassing. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. And then, yeah, all of it. <clears throat> yeah. All so, of it. But the, the funny thing is, is the very first time I met with the principal and he met with the, the teacher and Andrew and I said, so are you going to open up a DCFS investigation? He said, well, because I don't really have anything to go on because they're both denying any wrongdoing. He goes, but you're Andrew's mom. You can open up an investigation whenever you want. He, he yeah. must have told me four times because <laughs> he knew, right? right? And he said, you know, you if you feel like you need to open up an investigation, go ahead. If you need us someplace to meet, they can meet here. We can get a room for them to meet. And I'm like, okay. And even then, so the very, that was the very first day. And I wasn't really going to church at the time. I, I'm a Christian. I had been a Christian since I was little, but I could never find a church when I moved. And the very first place I went was to the Presbyterian church in town. I didn't call my parents. I didn't call my husband. I went straight to that church and talked to the pastor. Oh. And I need some advice. And right. um, so he prayed with me and um, he's like, you need to go after this guy. So I still waited a week before I called DCFS and that was um, an experience in and of itself because when you put an investigation or you, you put a claim out there, they're supposed to show up within 24 hours and that nobody showed up. So about five or six days later, um, I called the, the Will County office. We we're in Grundy County, so they share an office. And they said that it's on somebody's desk who's on vacation. I'm like, so it just sits there. I'm like, what if this was like somebody was getting really right. hurt physically, right. you know? So I ended up- A broken up system. That's all that is. Yeah. Yep. But again, being who I am, I called the director of DCFS. I looked that number up, called her. She actually answered the phone and mm -hmm. I told her what was going on. I could hear her typing and she's like, you reported this six days ago. I said, yep. And she said, there will be someone there this afternoon. And if they're not, you give me a call back. Mm. So I then okay. get a phone call from DCFS and 
They said, you know, we can't get somebody there today, but we can get somebody there first thing in the morning, which was better for me. I had patients already scheduled, so I could plan better anyway. Okay. So I did give them a call back and I said, and I, this time I got a machine and I left a message and I said, you know, that they're going to come at eight in the morning, which is better for me. So that's fine. Well, I get a call from the school and about 20 minutes later, and they said that DCFS was on their way there. So she must have called them and said, no, you're going today. Oh, so, yep. By the time I offloaded my patients to other therapists, I got to the school. They already had Andrew in a room speaking with him, with one of the counselors and the investigator. And he came out of that room and I will never forget the look on his face. I, if looks could kill, like mm. he was so angry with me. Um, and then when I went in there, the investigator made me feel really stupid for calling. And she said, I'm not sure why this was so imperative that we come out here. She says, this seemed like very, um, you know, benign, friendly text messaging to me. And I said, really? So I handed her the sack of papers with the messages. I said, this is just from three weeks worth. And this has been going on since May. And she looked at her face. She's like, oh. And yeah. so I then, you know, <laughs> I lost my temper quite a bit. I said, I certainly hope that you didn't make Andrew feel that way, that this is not worth fighting for. And. Right the counselor was trying to tell me to calm down and I was not calm. At well, you're all. so frustrated at this point, right? You're like, look at what has happened to my son. Why right. is everybody asleep? And what else, who else, what else is this guy doing? Obviously right. he's a pervert. Right. With children. Older, I said, this might not be the worst day in your life, but this is the worst day in mine. So you start acting like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. At least don't mess with mama bear. Yeah. All right. So now you do get the investigation starts. Yep. So once they, they took them, they had Andrew's phone for about four months. They then said that they wow. couldn't get the messages off the phone because Apple had done an upgrade. They couldn't get the messages off the phone. So our detective took him down to the state police and again, they had his phone forever. So I had a friend whose husband was a secret service agent and she had me over for dinner and they had another person come over who was in the secret service, who is part of a pedophile task force. So when the secret service isn't protecting the president, they help local jurisdictions. Okay. So, um, this guy gave me two cards. He goes, you keep one and I'm going to give you one to give to them. He goes, I'm going to tell you, they want you, they just want you to go away at this point. And this was the state's attorney's office. Okay. Said, they just want you to go away. You need to keep telling them that you're an educated woman. You're not going anywhere and you're going to keep fighting for your kid. And if they don't do something about it, you're going to turn it over to the feds. And mm -hmm. he goes, I'll have those messages, messages off the phone within 15 minutes. And he said, um, give them a week. And if they don't have the messages, then tell me you want the phone back. So they had the messages back in three days, which tells me they were probably sitting on it. Sure. Hoping so, you would go away, but mama's yep. not going away. Uh-huh. Yep. And so they get the messages back. So my husband and I go and meet with the two assistant state's attorneys. And we're at a huge conference table. We're on either side. And they said, you know, we got the messages back, but there's gaps in the transcripts. We don't know that there's anything we can really do about it. Um and, you know, is there another kid? Is there somebody that can corroborate this or somebody else that this has happened to? And I'm like, no. And so I said, well, can I read the text messages? Well, they both look at each other like they didn't want to give it up. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, if you aren't doing anything with it, it's my property. So I would really like to look at that. So okay. then they, they then at that point pushed them over to me and I started reading through them. 
and I'm reading through it and everything that I talked to you about was in there. And he also asked him about making a video and he would refer to his penis as my little guy. When am I going to get to see the little guy? Am I ever going to get to see the little guy? Um, and, what in the world? So this is all in there, even, uh, you know, offering the money for oral sex. It's all there. And I'm literally like reading this and like tears will start dripping from my face sure. and I, I couldn't even control it. So yeah. I push the messages back very slowly. And it was at this point that I like absolutely lost it, Deb. I just, yeah, I was not very Christian. I can't imagine. Yeah. It was not very Christian what came out of my mouth, but you're lucky you didn't crawl over the table and try to strangle yeah. everybody. Right. Well, and again, up until this point, I've been pretty <sighs> compliant with everything and very calm. And I lost it. I said, you have got to be kidding me. And I looked at the younger guy. I said, you have younger kids. I'm like, you're okay with this. And the older guy who is probably in his early seventies, late sixties, I'm like, you have grandchildren. I'm like, how are you guys okay with this? Right. I said, what's he got to do? Sodomize my son before you actually do something about this. Mm. And that's when they were like, and I was yelling. It was like, my son or my husband was kicking me under the table, you know? Yeah. I'm like, you kick me one more time. I'm kicking you out the door. Like it was not a good scene. Yeah. And, well, um, it was breaking down then you were like, I need yeah. to, uh, this guy needs to pay and he needs yeah. to be exposed. And we were How about a year into this at that point. So, so a year into it, how, when did the conviction happen? How, and, and, and what happened as far as convicting him? Because yeah. this wasn't an easy, like you said, this wasn't an easy journey. You no. were running into a lot of um, closed doors, really, or not, people not helping uh, right. that you would think would be. So what happened? How, what was the well, conviction? How'd that go? After that, I asked to meet with the state's attorney. And so I met with him and he acted like he had no idea what was going on with our case. And um, the principal then, again, at this point, he he got a hold of me and he said, you know, they've never come to get his per personnel file and there are things in there that they're going to want to see. So I got to the state's attorney and I said, can you subpoena the personnel file? The principal said there's stuff in there you're going to want to see. And he said, what good is that going to do us? What could possibly be in there that we need? I said, what skin is it off of your back? I'm like, just get right. it. Yeah. What was in so, there? Well, I go, so the principal had been a counselor as well. And he had met with the teacher, the union rep and the superintendent. And this was just weeks after all of this had transpired a year prior and he asked him flat out if he ever offered Andrew money for oral sex, asked me if he wanted to make a sex video, asked me if he ever referred to his penis as my little guy. And he put his head down and, and shook his head in affirmation and said yes. So it was all in there in black and white. He had all of it was there. Oh. And so the school, when they did subpoena it, the attorneys would not release the paperwork until I signed off on it because Andrew's name was all over it. And they cited that was because of the HIPAA law. But I think it was truly because they wanted me to see what was in there because they knew I was having so much trouble down at the state's attorney's office. So after I signed off on it and read it, I'm like, we got him, you know? And so I right. went down to the state's attorney's office, told him what was in there. And he was mad. He's like, why'd they let you read it? And <laughs> I told him, I said, because of the HIPAA law, you know, and that. Yeah, because it's my child. On it. <laughs> he said, they didn't have to do that. I said, well, honestly, I think they did it because they knew that you weren't doing your job and that it, you were cooperating. So, yeah. Yeah. So what was the conviction? And I mean, this, so, this is an unusual case, right? Usually people, um, I don't want to say get out of this, but maybe people just give up. That's probably it, Michelle. People just give up in a, in a situation like that. And they're just like, forget it, you know, just go away and we're going to, you know, leave us alone. 
go away, but you didn't, thank God. And, and there's even more to this. So I want to, I want to make sure we get this. So there was a conviction there and was. then, yeah. and then after this conviction, from what I understand, people are using this case as an example across the country. Yes. So we ended up getting a conviction for grooming and solicitation of a minor. Now grooming had never been a charge up until three months before our case went to trial. So okay. that's the other God move, movement in this is that there has never been a grooming conviction until our case. So now this guy is convicted of grooming and the defense actually put me down as a witness for them just to keep me out of the courtroom. And the judge allowed that to happen. He allowed everything to happen that they asked for so that they wouldn't have a, a case for an appeal. Now, uh, fast forward 10 years and I go to one of Clay Clark's reawaken events in Nashville and I meet um, a sex trafficking investigator named Amy Coelho. And she tells me about a couple of cases she'd worked on. And one of them was the Lusta Mundo case out of California. And they busted like 123 different sex trafficking cells. She was the lead investigator with her team on that. And then she was telling me about one of the gymnasts with Larry Nasser that that was one of their clients. And then there was another case she was telling me about a big case. So I started telling her about my measly little case here in, in Illinois. And so she stopped me mid story and she said, are you from Illinois? And I said, yes. And she's like, when was that? I said, well, the conviction was like 2013, 2014. And she's like, oh my God, I cannot believe I'm meeting you. And I said, yeah. like, what are you talking about? And she said, we use your case all the time because we have to prove grooming in order to prove the trafficking and your <sighs> case is the only conviction in the United States for grooming. So it sets precedent. And she goes, we're not the only ones using your case. It's being used all over the country. It sets precedent. Isn't that amazing? Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, so wow. of course I was like a ball of tears at that point sure. because you don't realize. And so then I went into more in depth with her about really how awful it was trying to get them to go through with right. the kids. And she said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, she said, your tenacity and your son's yeah. willing to come forward. You guys have saved thousands of lives. And here for you, I know your heart was rejoicing because you wanted there to be justice right. um, and let this, you know, go far and wide. I mean, with even right. just with your story, but now in the judicial system and how is this with Andrew once something like this happened and he heard this and because, you know, right. really 15, I mean, now he's older, now it's years later he's probably grown so much through this. Right. Um, how was it for Andrew to hear now that this, this case um, was really helping in other parts of the country? Yeah. So everyone's like, that was the big question with all my friends. Like, Oh my gosh, what did Andrew think? And he was very nonchalant about it. He's like, Oh, that's good. You know, where I was like, Oh, but then, you know, we had two very different experiences going through all of that. You know, I was, the mama bear trying to not only protect him, but to protect right. the other kids from this guy. And he just wanted it to go away. Sure. Um, and quite honestly, after this happened, because he had groomed him so much, he, Andrew spiraled out of control. He felt guilty. He felt responsible for him losing his job. Um, and this is what happens. No, right. but that's what happens. They, they feel that way. And I mean, I had to have conversations with him that if this guy should happen to commit suicide, that that wasn't on him. That's not right. his you know, this guy fault. all of this to himself. But that's what they do. They twist their minds and they grab their hearts. And that's what's so dangerous about these groomers. Thank yep. God you found this out. Can you imagine what would have happened? No, we don't want no. to think about that. No. So where are we now? Um, I mean, 
Andrew now it's he's 29 was that it yep he'll be 29 next month and mm -hmm. he's doing well thank god yeah yeah he's um, actually he like I had mentioned to you prior to us going live that he was um in the marine corps right and he um he's actually working at a military boarding school so he's they're boys from seventh grade to 12th grade and to listen to him and to I can just I can hear his heart through his voice. Like he is right where he needs to be. He's doing so many good things for these kids and they have someone that they can turn to. So he's he's really using some of the things that have happened for good with these kids. And yeah. it's just, it just makes my heart so happy to see that he's doing something good with this because he wasn't initially, he was spiraling out of control. He'd gone sure. away to school, was drinking too much and when he was in the Marine Corps, he ended up having to go to counseling. And I said, you know what? I said, you can keep using this as an excuse. And everyone will be like, oh, poor Andrew. And it's going to spiral out of control. And you are not going to be worth anything. Or you can use it as a springboard and use this for good and go forward and make something of yourself. I said, because yeah. what you're doing now is no good and you're better than this. And right. so that's what he did. Yeah. Good words, mama. Don't yeah. let this situation rob you. Right. of your future and your dreams right. and your heart and your soul. But right. you as a mom, you, right? We've got to be constantly reminding the kids because they would give up. And, you right. know, you, you were really speaking to yourself too. I know as much as you were talking to him, you were talking to you too. Right. And you right. both used this in different ways. And, you know, right. what do you tell moms about being aware of situations like this? No one ever thinks that the, uh, the baseball coach is going to send pornographic messages to their kids and here. Oh, and I don't want to ask you, Michelle, what yeah. about the fact though, we're in a, in a day and age now where teachers have, um, students' cell phone numbers. I mean, this is now a super highway where anything can happen in secret, right? When I went to school like you, right, we, we were talking to our teacher over the phone, no. you no. know, the phone has become such an issue. It's great for communication, but I don't like the fact that right. teachers are speaking to students uh, on isolated conversations. That the parents have the apps on their phones where they can see the text messages that their kids are sending. You know, they have those apps now where you can actually yeah. see. Um, the thing that we can control though, is if there is a teacher or another adult buying that kid a burner phone, you know, because ah. that can happen too. So you ah. might have the app on the phone that you bought for that child and you can see what's going on there, but they might be using a different phone. Wow. So those are things to keep in mind too, you know, and taking the phone away. This is the one thing I wish I would have done. I wish I would have taken the phone from him when he went to bed at night, you know, yeah. so that's another lesson learned that. Yeah. None of my kids ever went to bed with their phone. In fact, yeah. it was always eight o'clock, nine o'clock. It is up never, never in the bedroom, but live and learn. Right. Right. Yeah. And you want to trust your kids, you know, and, and I just can't though. It's just too, it's no. too crazy. So dangerous. And that whole the internet just opens the world to everything, you yeah. know, like kids are playing video games with people across the world, right. you know, and, and sharing information with them, you know, they, they could give them their address, let them know where they're at. Right. And they never even think twice about it, that these people would come after them, that it would be for a nefarious reason. Yeah. You know? So I guess that's the other thing too, is just monitor all of that. Monitor all of it. And then, you know, like you, Moms, if you have a situation where you just feel like you can't, you just can't overcome it, don't give up, right? Don't give up. Michelle, is that what you would say? I never give up because when, when they were blocking me at the local level, 
I said, well, give me everything then. I'm going to take it to Lisa Madigan. I'm going to take it higher because Lisa Madigan was the Illinois state's attorney at the time. I said, and then I'm going to take it to the secret service. Like I wasn't stopping. And I think yeah. at that point, I just kind of wore them down, you know, that they knew I wasn't going to go away. And I had threatened to have the news stations come out and all of that. And, we'd and have I, bet you, I bet you they believed you. They did. Yeah. <laughs> They knew that you meant, you meant, uh, you meant business. Oh yeah. my God. What an incredible story. Thank you for yeah. championing this. Thank you for fighting of for course. your son because that you fought for your son. Uh, we now have, uh, you know, a conviction on the books that people can use all across the country because right. grooming, right. That's under that radar. They're just able to manipulate this and disregard it. And it cannot be because it is the very beginning of an open door with a child. And like you said, even to a family. So we've got to be the, we've got to be the warriors. So thank you, Michelle. Yeah. And thank yeah. you for sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, don't be afraid to lean on your family and your friends. I mean, I leaned on my friends hard, you know, um, and probably too hard at some points, but, you know, that's how you get through some of yeah. this stuff and, and through God and through the church, you know, make sure you're leaning on them as well. Yeah. You might need to stop by the pastor's office when you're in the midst of all this and get a good prayer for discernment and wisdom and strength. And uh, that's exactly what you did. Right. Wow. I'm uh, I'm in awe of you, mama. And thank you for being a great warrior. And uh, we appreciate you sharing your story because things like this are happening. Um, in homes all across America and in schools all across America, but we're going to be aware and we're going to be really just on it because um, this just reminds us that we, we got to protect them. Right. And um, as we had talked about before too, Andrew had written a letter to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Share that with us. So to set this up a little bit, he had found out about somebody who had been molested as well. And he reached out to their attorney through Facebook messenger and, um, so he wrote to the mom and he shared the letter with me. And this was just last spring. So this was the first time I really had an understanding of how he felt about me and what we went through at the time. Good. So, and again, Andrew just was not expressing himself. So this for you was really a great reveal. Right. Right. Okay. So um, I'm just, I'm going to try to leave the names out of it, but dear mom, I do not know how to write this letter. I only know that it is something I feel like I have to do to let you know that you are not alone in this fight. I wrote a letter to your boys as well, but you probably already know that. I relate to them, and on some level, it was easier to write to them because I understand firsthand what they are going through. It cannot be easy to watch them go through something of this magnitude. No kid should ever have to go through it, but they seem, at least from what we were able to see on their interview, that they are handling it well, and they have the fire and drive to put this, quote, man behind bars. I can only assume that they have inherited that passion and resolve from you, and I hope that you are proud. As I said, I do not know exactly how to write this letter. I remember watching my mom go through this. Well, at least what she let me see. And I remember her being a strong mama bear that was not going to let me or anyone else in my school be hurt by that abuser again. I remember her strength and her courage. I remember her tenderness and love. I remember her unwillingness to back down even when my dad and others around us wanted everything to quote, be hush hush and swept under the rug. Mm -hmm. But most of all, I remember the lesson that she taught me through all of this. If not us, then who? I have no doubt that your boys will look back on the darkest times of their lives and remember you and remember all of the same things about you that I remember about my mom. I feel like I have so much to tell you and to express you, but I do not have the words to do so. I remember so many fights between me and my mom, me and my mom about whether we should come forward about what was happening to me with this teacher 
and about my unwillingness to open up to her about how I was feeling about everything. Even when we made the decision to come forward, we were still there were still some very strained times between us. Just know that you are doing so much good for your corner of the world and that the boys will be so glad and thankful and proud of their mom for, of their mom for sticking up for them and taking this fight to the pedophile once all is said and done. I want you to know that everything will be okay and your boys will be even better and stronger for having gone through this. I also mm -hmm. can't stress enough to give them space and time as the processing and healing will come with a significant amount of time. If you need anything or someone to talk to, someone for your boys to ask questions, someone just to listen, my mom and I will be here to support you the entire way. Please do not hesitate to reach out. It is, it is hard enough to go through all of this, but going through it without someone who has been there before is even harder. I wish that someone had seen our interviews and reached out to us. You are stronger than you know, and words cannot express how proud of you all I am. Keep fighting the good fight, Andrew. Ah, I love that because that's straight to another mama that right. was dealing with the same situation. Mm -hmm. Wow. Beautiful. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So, Thank you for sharing that, Michelle. Thank you. Yep. Thank Great you. sum up. It's it's nice to hear Andrew's words. And, and I know he wrote another letter to the boys, but his you can feel his heart here. You know, he wanted to let them know that he cared. You can get through this, talk right. about it, fight for it, and um, honor those really that are, yeah. are, are in the front of the battle. So, yeah. We love it. Thank you for sharing this story so much with the moms. Uh, I know that a lot of moms out here are inspired by you. And if there's anybody out there who needs to talk or needs help with anything, please let me know because we need to stop this from, from going forward and stop yeah. what's happening in our schools right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's the wild, wild west as far as uh, pedophiles and groomers and the moms are stepping up, fighting back and uh, protecting their kids. So thank you, Michelle. I appreciate you thank sharing you. your story today. Thanks for having me. Well, I really love that Michelle's pursuit of justice for her son has ended up in a groundbreaking case that will benefit children in every state. Good job, Mama. We appreciate you and what you've done. All right. And to the rest of the mamas here, I want to remind you just once again that Moms for America exists to help you make a difference in your home and in your community, just like Michelle. I mean, we're all warriors here. Uh, please visit us at our website at momsforamerica.us to check out all of our amazing resources, our events, our programs, our webinars, our seminars. We have it all there uh, from CRT to SEL. I mean, just about everything that you can imagine is there on our website. So please go to momsforamerica.us. Um, and take advantage of all the resources we have. Now, when you go there, would you please sign up for our weekly newsletter as well? Uh, that's how we connect with you and we can help educate you on issues that relate to you as a mom uh, and help you engage in your community and in your home and uh, just make a change all across the country. Uh, all right, when you're there, I also want to remind you about the cottage meetings. Uh, that is our signature program and that you will love these. It is 12 lessons that will inspire and educate you about America's amazing heritage so you can share the principles of liberty right there in your home and in your community, right? If we teach the mamas, the mamas teach the children. So go ahead, check out our cottage meetings and check out um, Healing of America too. I mean, we have a lot of great webinars uh, for you that will help you learn about America. All righty. So from parental rights to public policy, from the kitchen table to Congress, we do have it all for you, moms. We say this every week. We believe that liberty begins at home. We believe that you, mama, you are the greatest influencer in your child's life, and probably the greatest influencer in America. Moms are so powerful. 
It is the moms that are going to change this country, protect their children, and truly save America. Again, please like and subscribe. Share this podcast with your mom friends. We want to stop all the grooming. We want to educate the moms. We want to empower the moms. Uh, We'll see you back here next week with another inspiring and informative discussion for moms just like you. And like I say this every week, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us. And let's keep changing our world one home at a time. Thanks, mom.